I know we joke around a lot on this podcast, but I've got a serious question for you right now. No, you don't. I really do. In your opinion, what is Sylvester Stallone better at, acting or screenwriting? <laughs> for real, um, what's he better so at? So, do I have to make a judgment call based on this movie alone, or am I allowed to take the... This is the movie that made me really question it, <laughs> like both of them. Um, I didn't know that he screenwrote anything until we watched this today. Is he... Rocky. He screenwrote that as well? Yeah, the Academy Award-winning or okay, nominated shit. screenplay for Rocky. Okay. And then um, the significantly less Academy Award-nominated screenplay for Cobra. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah. Bit of a drop-off, eh, from that to this? Yeah, this is his take on sort of America and the morals of America crumbling, it feels like. This is his, like, give the police the power um, because we need to fucking clean up the streets message here. Yeah, he's very pro-police in this. Oh, yeah. Like, he's all about take out the bad guys. Fuck fair process. Uh, we just need to fucking murder and kill anyone who is in the way of white justice. Well, hang on a second. He didn't say white justice. Pretty sure his partner's Mexican. It's implied. How's it implied? His partner's Mexican. <laughs> what do you mean? That's so that means it's uh it's it's not implied? I don't think he kills a single black guy. I don't even think there's a single black guy in this movie. Exactly. Systematic racism. He's all about maintaining it. Would you have preferred if he had killed the black guys? No, Is that what you're saying? Absolutely not. <laughs> That's kind of what it sounds like you're saying. No, it's interesting that the villains of this like not post-apocalyptic, but feels post-apocalyptic LA are a cult of crazy white guys that have axes. The frontiersmen, they're called. Is that what they're called? No, they're called the New World. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. What have we gotten ourselves into? Here? I have no idea. Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And today we are discussing Sylvester Stallone's 1986 crime thriller masterpiece, Cobra. <laughs> I think you're the first person ever to call it a masterpiece. <laughs> That's for goddamn sure. Crime thriller might also be some excessive praise. It's uh it is something. It's it's a crime action movie. It's a crime against cinema is what it is. It really is. <laughs> Holy shit. You asked me before and I never really answered the question whether I thought he was a better actor or screenwriter. And I don't know. I, I think I got to go with actor because the fact that his name is all over the screenwriting on this tells me this is mostly his fault. How long do you think it took him to write this screenplay? About 15 minutes? Yeah, not long. It was not long. No. But we're going to go through all of the ridiculous ridiculous details but before we do that every week we pair the movie with a beer that we are uh, going to maybe enjoy this week i'm not so sure what are we having this week noel yeah this one is a deadlock this one's easy uh you found this for us it's called the loaded cobra it has a sweet can art of a cobra shooting lasers out of its eye and our main character in our movie, our movie is called Cobra. He even has a gun he carries that has a Cobra that looks like this can art on it. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty sweet. This is uh, double IPA, like you said. So uh, it's coming in at 8.8% ABV. That's a little bit rich. We'll see uh, how smooth that goes down. It's from Evergreen Brewing Company. They're in Pennsylvania, Camp Hill. And they seem like they have a pretty cool setup there. They have a, a huge bar with uh, like 20 different taps and a sort of German kind of beer hall style setting. So it seems like a really cool place. We found this beer at another location, though. Yeah, I actually bought this at the uh, Beerport Beer Store. I don't know what you call it, a like tap house beer store. 
It's the uh, beer store that's attached to the Rojo Cinema in Pittsburgh, my second home. And I went in specifically looking for it, and the guy said this was the last two cans in the whole thing, that it sells out very quickly. So glad we got our hands on it. I may feel differently when we crack it open, as you mentioned, double IPA, but we're going to give it a shot in honor of Cobra. Yeah, it's perfect. What a nice link. I think it's going to be delicious. I'm a little worried about how strong it's going to be. I feel like this is going to be a bit of a sloppy episode, but that's okay, too. Yeah, I mean, it's a sloppy movie. Why don't we just fall right in line with it? Eh? Oh, my God, yeah. This is going to fit right in there with both the writing and action <laughs> sequences uh, sort of created by our friend Stallone. Yeah. Let's like get it. into it. Let's yeah, just get this Crack over this with. bad yeah. boy open. We open with some very ominous sounds and fade in on a drawing of a cobra. It's the one you mentioned that is attached to the pistol of Sylvester Stallone, who promptly rattles off some very disheartening crime statistics. Holy shit. He's talking about how often people are murdered, how often people are raped. It's basically setting up what seems like the end of the world here. Yeah, TLDR, the world is a toilet. That's the the crux of his argument. Yeah, pretty much. This is very quickly Stallone setting the bar here for what people are like, and he's telling us that someone needs to clean this shit up. And we can gather about what happens next, that it's going to be him. We see his hand draw the gun out, point it right at the camera, pull the trigger, and we get a spinning bullet coming right towards us, revealing the movie's title, Cobra. And from there, we immediately launch into what you thought was that kind of post-apocalyptic wasteland. But no, it's just L.A. in the 80s. <laughs> I mean, same difference, I guess. Uh, I was expecting it to have more racial undertones, which is where I thought the message was here, I guess. But uh, not for Stallone. No, it's mostly about a strange axe-wielding cult. Yeah, a bunch of deranged-looking people clanging axes together in a bombed-out old warehouse. And we're cutting back and forth between them and a guy riding a motorcycle. He eventually reaches his destination and parks in a handicapped spot. Now, you incorrectly assume that this was Sylvester Stallone, but it's actually the exact opposite. It's the first guy Sylvester Stallone is going to kill. Yes, one of many thousands that will take uh, a Stallone bullet in this movie. God, he kills so many dudes. Just so many. You mentioned that it might have a higher body count than Commando. It's got to be up there. Yeah, Yeah. it's pretty close. It'd It'd be interesting to see. Someone must have kept that stat. I would like that one. you got to be able to find that online somewhere for sure. Anyway, this guy enters a grocery store, whips out a shotgun, and just starts blasting. One of his rounds hits a shopping cart, which causes it to literally jump off the ground. Is that possibly how that would go? No. No, No. absolutely not. They are trying to make this very exciting. He has a real vengeance against groceries. If they had the same (laughs) prices they do in today's economy, I'd understand. Yeah, Yeah, fuck. I would be shooting groceries, too, or I'd feel like it, but... It's strange because he's being really menacing, but all he's doing is shooting produce. He shoots a couple of guys. Well, not at the start, though. It isn't until... He blows away a store clerk right away first thing. Oh, does he? Okay. I'm pretty sure he does, but whatever. The police quickly surround this place, and they have a hostage negotiator getting a megaphone. But all he says is, you don't have to do this over and over again. Another cop, sensing that this guy is doing a terrible job, gives him a simple instruction. Call the Cobra. (laughs) And after a slow motion scene of the gunman blowing away a hostage, we smash cut to an all black car just ripping into the parking lot. And guess who's driving it? Oh my goodness. We are going to get a close up of Stallone pulling in here. He's in 
the car says something about 50s, so I think it's like a 1950s hot rod here. Yeah, it's got some kind of hot rod vibes for sure. He swheels into the parking lot, and he rolls out. He's got the most over-the-top aviator sunglasses on. Yeah, he's also wearing the tightest jeans a person could possibly wear. Those things are just painted on. Yeah, he couldn't really move his legs correctly because they were so tight, and his penis could also like not get erect or move around because it was pinned to him. Well, you can see it, too. Full hog meat on display right there it's just the complete outline yeah well he also has his gun shoved directly down the front of his pants so that the barrel of the gun is resting directly on his shaft probably to give it some breathing space my god he wants to just loosen it up a little bit either way he makes his way he, he makes his way inside the store this gunman is raving about how he's going to kill Stallone and everyone else. He's got a bomb and how this is the way of the new world. Stallone stealthily makes his way through the store and to the intercom, where he gives a very different speech to the gunman than the one the negotiator did. Hey, dirtbag. You're a lousy shot. I don't like lousy shots. You wasted a kid for nothing. Now I think it's time to waste you. <laughs> <laughs> He's just toying with him. He even takes time to crack a Coors here and he take does. a sip There's of a it. Couple sips. Like, oh like my that. goodness! And he he after taunting him, he pops out of a door and kind of gets the upper hand on this guy. They have a little bit of a chat, and here I'm like, oh my god, Stallone did write this because the lines are pretty <laughs> awful. <laughs> They're not great. No. Um, and we know Stallone's got the upper hand in this situation. He sort of lowers his gun, but then we see him pull out a knife from behind his back. And then what happens? Yeah, he throws a knife into this guy's shoulder and then blows him away. He gives him about six shots right to the torso. He then walks over and nonchalantly picks up the bomb the guy was holding and then chivalrously helps up a lady shopper. And at this point, she's basically just ready to have his baby, right? <laughs> I guess she looked pretty young, but he did rescue her. So, I mean, that's something I think Stallone would write into his movies for sure. He's definitely going to be saving women mostly so that they will ride his hog. <laughs> <laughs> Well, much like the ladies being all over his hog, as soon as he leaves the store, he's got reporters just all over him asking if it's had anything to do with someone called the Night Slasher. Apparently, there's a psycho on the loose, but a different cop says it's definitely unrelated. And I believe him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, right? There'd be no link here. Um, this journalist is out sort of to fight for the rights of people, and Stallone is not having it. Oh my god, no. After he basically accuses the cops of not respecting anyone's rights, Stallone drags him over to one of the dead bodies, pulls up the sheet that's covering it, and shoves the reporter's face in it. Metaphorically, but still. Tell that to his family! <laughs> he is very pro cop or vigilante justice here he's cop justice not vigilante justice he is pro police he definitely is but he's also um pro police using extreme force to get the results they need that's true that might relate to the next scene we have because we get a strange encounter where the guy who sure seems to be trying to get stallone to assault him he rips this dude's undershirt off and reveals he's wearing a wire so i was like internal affairs does this guy work for that reporter we don't really find out as stallone kind of sniffs him out and gives him nothing he then heads into his apartment where we get more information on the night slasher 
Yeah, we get a news report here. That incident with the guy in the street was interesting. Um, Stallone bumps his car just to make way for his own parking spot. I guess he's in, like, this guy's kind of half in Stallone's parking spot, and so Stallone just moves this guy's car with this fucking tank of a 1950s car. Yeah, and this sort of has a little bit of a payoff later. This news report is talking about this slasher who apparently has killed 15 or 16 people at this point, so really making their way through the streets of New York, and what is upsetting people is it seems very random. There's not a sort of generic target here and that has people on edge yeah and speaking of the night slasher he strikes again that very night killing a woman with an axe that looks a lot like the ones those guys were clanging during the opening credits the next day the cops are arguing about the case in which direction to go with it and you'll never guess who has already completely figured out what's going on I wonder, could Stallone have written himself as the smartest guy in the room? He cracks this thing in about 15 seconds. He's like, you know why it seems random? There's multiple killers. He's on it right away. Yeah, he figures it out instantly, right? This uh, is way too convenient. Um, But we know that this is where this movie is going. He's going to be our hero. He figures everything out, and he's going to have other cops standing in his way from being successful. It's the whole fucking structure of law enforcement that he's complaining about. He says that as long as the cops try to play by the rules, they'll always be one step behind. That last part feels more like an editorialization. But either way, his superiors are not going to listen to him yet. (laughs) Yeah, they're not going to go his way at this time, right? I don't know why, because they have like 16 murders on their hand. They haven't figured it out, but they're not willing to let him go yet. He's a part of what they call the zombie squad. They only call him in sort of as a last resort option. Yeah, I don't know if he's a zombie or if he makes zombies by just killing dudes or what, but... Yeah, I'm not sure why they they name it that, but so he's sort of their last resort kind of guy, and that's how he's happy to operate and roll, but they don't want to go that way yet. Yeah, they change that very soon, though, because after another murder, Andy near-miss for an extremely giant-haired Bridget Nielsen. She has huge hair in this. They come crawling back, basically telling Stallone to do whatever he has to do to find this guy. That was an exceptionally quick turnaround, and it leads us to a hitting the streets montage. (laughs) It sure does. Um, I'm excited here. I I love montages. This one's a little weird, though, because it's sort of interspersed with shots of, like, homeless people or street people, um, some sexy lights. And then we also have our main female character, Bridget Nielsen. She is with a bunch of robots? Yeah, she's in a sexy photo shoot. We should mention that this sequence is set to a tune called Angel of the City. Now, I was curious, do you think that she's the angel of the city, or is Stallone the angel of the city? Oh, she's definitely the angel of the city. All right, did you notice that one of those robots was hanging dong? (laughs) They show all the robots at the end, and one Uh, of them has a robot Yeah, it was pretty funny. It looked like they turned a bunch of parking meters and those things you look at, you put money in to look at from afar. They turned those things into robots. You're right. The one had like a tiny dong. It wasn't well, like I don't a know. big we one. We just fucking shame the guy. Well, I mean, that robot. Maybe so, when he gets aroused, that thing fucking expands like a goddamn car antenna and just, you know. It's like a, uh, what is it, uh, go-go gadget arm? Yeah, it just like exactly. shoots out and goes. Yeah, I also noticed that the other robot was like a simian. It had like a big dick on top and she sat on it and rode around on it. <laughs> Wait, what? Good Lord, what does that mean? I'll tell you who is definitely not the angel of the city. That mask guy stabbing people with an extreme fucking knife or his many, many friends who show up in the parking lot of that photo shoot with axes. 
They kill multiple people, including the photographer who aggressively tries to nail Brigitte Nielsen, some random passerby who was a victim of wrong place, wrong time, and a security guard who gets absolutely pulverized when this gang drives their van into him. This guy's death was absolutely incredible. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> this whole scene is interesting, right? The photo shoot and the montage end. We have the photographer sort of escorting her to her car. He is just way over the top in trying to f*** her. Oh, he's very predatory, yes. Oh, yes, extremely. And we're not super unhappy that he eats it in defense of her here in, no. in a minute. In uh, defense of her? I think he just he was standing there and just asked him. He didn't get away fast. Like, he was that, trying to defend her. He didn't like, push her behind him. That's true. He just gets it easy. He's trying to push her in front of him. Now, that guard who gets blown up by the van to the wall was hilarious. That was great shit. We were both just laughing so hard. That was a really good death scene. There's some things that this movie does that are really fun, and some of the deaths are pretty good, and that was a really good one. I enjoyed that. Right as they're about to get to our model, we hear the sirens in the background, so she escapes. She does. Now, I guess one of those axes hit a water line because she is all wet, but she's about to get wetter because as soon as she gets to the police station, Sylvester Stallone struts in, still wearing those pants that totally show off his dong. Is that why they call this movie Cobra? Because you can constantly see his yeah. snake? <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, they say his name is Cabretti, and they take that as his nickname, but I think you're right. It's probably closer to his dong showing the entire time. <laughs> She mentions her near-miss encounter before that actual attack, and that clicks something into place for Stallone, which officially launches our romantic subplot. She saw a man who is almost certainly the Night Slasher, so he's going to have to keep her alive to help secure a conviction. And they're definitely going to fall in love, but first, her life's going to have to be threatened, which is going to happen in about 30 seconds. Oh, this is another one of those moments where they start piecing things together way too quickly for us, right? It turns out that, and we're starting to learn here, that one of the members of the police force that is put to protect her is also a part of this new order. Yeah, Stallone figures that out also. They must have someone on the inside. Like, he's on top of this right away. And again, no surprise, he wrote the movie himself. Yeah, so why don't you make yourself the smartest man in the room? Of course, this sort of transitions from them deciding that they need to protect her into them getting attacked way too quickly. Yeah, the main killer of the New World, the one with the insane knife, realizes he needs to kill her, but he also realized she saw him, so he's going to need a disguise in case the police are looking out for him. He managed to make himself completely unrecognizable by first, dyeing his hair black, and second, killing a hospital worker so he can steal his glasses. His strategy was Clark Kent. <laughs> to be fair, he did steal his uniform too. He dressed up like he was a custodial worker at the hospital. He very quickly fucks up, though, and rides the elevator that he's not supposed to ride. So his disguise is already ruined? Well, I don't know. The rest of it seems pretty airtight, but as airtight as it sounds, he decides to play it safe by luring Stallone's partner away from the hospital thanks to his New World friends. Stallone realizes what's up, and after dispatching a couple of New World goons who were waiting outside his home, which, by the way, is never followed up on again, Stallone rushes down there to save the day. Oh, yeah. So he is in hot pursuit. He has to head to this hospital and save her. His buddy is also on the way, too. But before they can get there, these New World people have uh, kind of a bit of a heyday in this hospital. Well, yeah, Stallone's about 10 minutes late to save the other five people this psycho guy kills. But after we get a homeless man's version of The Shining in Brigitte Nielsen's room, he does get there just in time 
to do nothing. She gets herself into trouble by pulling the fire alarm, which brings everyone out of their rooms and forces the killer to leave. Not how I expected that to go. No, I kind of like the resolution of that scene, though. I like that she was able to escape and sort of get to safety. Now, as soon as Stallone appears, she gives him a big hug, and he's protecting and saving her already. Well, again, not saving her. He's just there. He probably could have gotten there faster if his pants were so fucking tight. He couldn't run. <laughs> but uh, like you I said. a real problem with these pants. They're um, ridiculous. Now, yeah, this scene's interesting, right? Because they keep showing the killer. He is an interesting character. Very jacked, but his face, like, seems stretched or strange. Well, you know what they say? You can't work out your face. Yeah. So yeah. it's a little weird. Um, they do both a homage to The Shining and also Psycho. Uh, was she in a shower at one point? I don't remember that. No, we get the woman behind the bed screen. So we have the fake staff. Oh, yeah, okay. So we, and yeah, it yeah. looks like a shower curtain, I didn't right? I notice that. Yeah, so they, they kind of throw in a couple homages to horror kind of killings there with him, nice. uh, which I thought was kind of neat. And then, yeah, she saves herself by pulling that fire. Yeah. The guy decides to leave rightly so at that point. He knows that this isn't the time, but he'll find them. And he knows that he has that person on the inside. Definitely. Like I said... That was not what I expected, but what I totally expected was a scene where Stallone gets chewed out by his commanding officers. They're particularly upset that he's withholding a sketch of the killer, and his response? You didn't say the magic word. What magic word? Please. <laughs> say what you will <laughs> oh. about Marion the Cobra Cabretti, but the man has a code. <laughs> yeah, he's he big on politeness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he absolutely believes in politeness. Yeah, there was nothing more predictable than he was going to get in shit for the way that his policing is going down. Every right 80s cop movie has to have the fucking sergeant yelling at him or whatever all the time. Yeah, his his methods are not the way to go, and no. he's going to get in trouble yeah. with the mayor and all that other bullshit. So it's kind of funny, right? He's kind of positioning himself as the Batman. A little bit, yeah. yeah. It's kind of what it feels like. Now, it's I'm finding the pace pretty good here. Um, oh, you cannot fault the pace. Of the this pace movie. is they pretty good right now. Going, yeah, yeah. We're we're getting some rough lines, um, and the story feels really contrived, but it's still entertaining at this point. Like, this is why you are more Stallone actor than screenwriter. These reasons right here. Yeah, okay. I guess so. Yeah. Well, after this close call, the bosses decide to assign another officer to the case, but in a terribly unfortunate coincidence that absolutely no one could see coming, the officer they assign is the one that we know is secretly a member of the New World. I'm sure, though, that she won't tip her hand early by having a bunch of the New World attack them literally the second they leave the police station. Or will she? She will. <laughs> she will do that, yes. Well, she does. You're right. She sets up that they get attacked after, but she does kind of keep her cover because what happens to her and Stallone's partner when they are following them, uh, falling behind them as they're taking our model to safety? Well, they get wiped out and we get into a car chase here. And this sequence features some ridiculous action. We should add a scale of 1 to 10 to our ratings for how much this chase scene infuriated you. <laughs> well, three cars blow up from uh, getting shot or exploded. So... You know, that was outrageous. Despite those things, though, it is actually quite an entertaining chase. Um, absolutely batshit, right? Yes. Um, like, not even close to realistic, but entertaining. It actually kind of reminded me of the car chase from 
or black exploitation movie. Truck Turner? Yes. Yeah. It kind of had the same kind of vibes as Truck Turner where you were just absolutely smashing everything and going way too long, but it being entertaining for And the them. car should have died about a million times. Yes. That absolutely. part where the two cars are flying over those short hills, like both cars would have blown their suspensions on the first landing. At one point, Cabretti's car basically lands face down, but they quickly cut to it going over another hill as like it's fine. Like the whole thing is just preposterous. Yeah. Um, while watching it, it did make me wonder whether Fast and the Furious was slightly inspired by something like this. You have attributed so many <laughs> fucking like modern movies yeah. that are decent to ripping off old shitty movies. I don't even know what to say about this. this well, is, this is tell me, do they use nitrous? They do use yeah, nitrous, yeah, it's true. They do, and he's in a souped-up hot rod. And Vin Diesel kind of sounds like Stallone. I get what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If Cabretti lives his life a quarter mile at a time, that would have made all the sense in the world. All he the was sense drinking only Corona this oh. entire time. You drink Coors. <laughs> you drink Coors Banquet. Oh, my God. Well, they survive this, and we go right back to another higher-ups yelling at Stallone scene. They still won't listen to him that this is the work of a gang of killers, not just one killer. And they also dismiss Bridget Nielsen's testimony, even though she's literally the only lead they've ever had. Stallone wants to take her out of the city to a more controlled environment, but they aren't sure. The negotiator from earlier, Monty is his name, shits all over this, so Stallone manhandles him until they agree to let him get her out of town. And that launches us into the best song of the movie, Feel the Heat! <laughs> I wrote down the song here too. It's really fun. Yeah, we get a really good 80s song as they're starting to transport her into uh, a different place, right? They're going to get her out of here into a safer place. Now it's starting to change a little bit though. As they're riding in the car, no longer is it just about protecting her. We are starting to get into flirting territory. There's something <laughs> blossoming between our two characters here. Oh my God, of course. Now, unfortunately, although Stallone knows the new world has someone on the inside of the police department, he doesn't know that it's the lady they're bringing along on their road trip. So we know that's going to be an issue. But what was the alternative here? Like, they just get her to town and everything goes to plan, roll credits? That was never going to happen. No, we knew. This movie is short enough as is. There's no way that we couldn't have a bit of an extension of the rise in tension here. We knew it had to go on for a little bit longer. Yes, as you mentioned, we're down to about a half hour left in this one, so they need to fast-track the romance between Brigitte Nielsen and Stallone's Cobra. So we get a scene at a truck stop where she learns and teases him about his real first name, Marion, and he gets to charm her with some delightful observational humor about the various knickknacks around the truck stop. large family. <laughs> Yes, she is a giant burger. <laughs> <laughs> she's particularly impressed with the giant burger joke that he makes, and also that he Fonzie's the record player or the. Uh, oh musician. fuck, man! When he hits that jukebox and started playing music, I just like died laughing. Yeah, so this is pretty funny. They she starts asking him some personal questions, and they're falling in love pretty quickly. It was a little weird to me here where they're going to spend the night together. She needs to be protected, but Stallone's going to be the one who sleeps in her Gotta room. Gotta have someone in the room, definitely. You why wasn't to. it his partner? You know why. <laughs> she liked those tight pants, is what you're saying? I think Stallone made the call. I think he was like, hey, listen, uh, this one's for me. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I think he would beat his friend in arm wrestle, so he gets to choose. 100%. Now, like I said, we're almost done here. So after the obligatory shot of that corrupt lady cop making a call from a payphone, gee, I wonder who she was calling. We see Stallone start to gear up as we got to a whole bunch of motorcycles approaching. Also approaching, 
a romantic scene like you alluded to as Brigitte Nielsen basically tells him to stop fiddling with his gun and grenades so she can start fiddling with his gun and grenades. Do they actually have <laughs> sex, though, or no? I'm not sure about that. It's hard to tell. Um, there's a little bit of a kiss moment, but they don't give us anything else. It does go by, like, all night happens, and they kind of suggest that maybe... Well, either way, the next morning they are about to move further upstate when Stallone notices the corrupt cop isn't there at the designated time. Now, of course, we know why, and Stallone should too, but apparently the movie's producers didn't think so, so they make sure to include a shot of her running up to a pickup truck full of New World goons and pointing over to where Stallone and Bridget Nielsen are. Real subtle, guys. Nice job. This had to have been added after screenings, right? Like the audience was like, wait, she was the bad guy? And like, fuck, we need to make sure they, come on, man. Like, I don't, I don't understand how they made this decision. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's so clear that she's the plant the entire time. There is no need for this. After they see her pointing at them, they're both like, she's always been a yeah, that's true. They turn on her so fast. There was no mention by either of them that she might have even been the person. And as soon as like, yeah, I knew the whole fucking time, yeah, fuck her, like right away. Yeah. That was ridiculous. Yeah, it was brutal. And now we're about to get one of the most insane shootouts I have ever seen oh, in a movie. Oh, it's just a massive shootout here between Stallone, his partner, and about 150 New World goons. And yet, in another entirely predictable series of events... None of them can hit Stallone, and he literally can't miss. He's picking these guys off from 100 yards away like it's nothing. He's waving an Uzi through the air, and every single bullet that's fired is taking one of those goons out. It's hitting them while they're riding motorcycles, while they're doing handstands, while they're blowing each other in the parking lot. Everything is taking them out. <laughs> they can't. These guys can't get a break, that's for sure. Now we get in her chase scene here as Stallone dives into the back of a pickup truck that Brigitte Nielsen is behind the wheel of. She peels out and about 15 motorcycles chase them, but again, they can't hit Stallone. They do eventually kind of run them off the road here, and we get a foot race through some orange groves to some kind of industrial smelting plant. That was a weird juxtaposition. How did we get here? Yeah, it's really strange, right? This second car chase or shootout in the car doesn't last very long. We get him blowing up a car after they do a big spin and some ridiculous shit, right? I don't know how they run through an orange field into this big industrial smelting factory. It comes out of nowhere. They seem to be like in a wooded area, kind of like an upstate kind of thing. And all of a sudden, there's this big fucking factory. Yeah, it was really, really, really strange to me. Um, but I feel like they just wanted to have the tense ending scenes or the fight to be in that factory. And they didn't care how they got there. That's probably exactly what it was, and this is going to be the site of our final showdown. Stallone starts laying traps for the various goons. He hides a grenade on top of a control panel, then blows it up when two guys get close. He burns another one with steam, but best of all, he knocks a barrel of flammable liquid onto a guy, then pulls out the match he's had in his mouth for the whole movie, lights it, and says, You have the right to remain silent. And he flicks it at the guy and lights him on fire. This was great. What a good time. Oh, come I mean, on. You loved this it. This was a big payoff for yeah. him having that match in his mouth. You mentioned the entire earlier, why is this a fucking match? What yeah, is that? I know. The, he set me up for this one. Yeah. He definitely t***ed it hard he after gotcha. this moment. Like, this is where Stallone I t***ed it hard after this moment. Yeah. This is great. This is a good time. Come on. Yeah. So this was his high-fiving himself kind of moment for sure. Um, it was definitely a good payoff. There's a couple near misses for him here, and we're about to get into the final boss territory. Oh, definitely. At this point, we're basically down to the New World's main psycho, he of the hair dye hospital fiasco, and that corrupt lady cop. 
Stallone wings her, and the psycho guy strolls into the center of the room to fire off a Shakespearean monologue about how society breeds chaos and that the new world are the hunters who will prey on the weak. And the whole time he's saying this, dude is just dripping with sweat. It is pouring off of him. (laughs) What do you expect? He is in a smelting factory. He's going to be very hot. It's also hard to stop sweating when you're that full of fucking cocaine, adrenaline, and... Uh, <laughs> He's definitely on something. Yeah, oh my God. 20 Diana Ball a day. Yes, absolutely. This guy's roided the gills. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. His voice is so fucking deep. I can't believe they found someone with a deeper voice than Stallone. I think James Earl Jones did a voiceover for him. He just dubbed it. It's absolutely absurd. And it kept reminding me of the killer from the Silence of the Lambs movies. Buffalo Bill? Yeah. He wanders in the middle of that plant, and he's like, would you f*** me? I'd f*** I'd f- me <laughs> that's what kept happening to me you told stallone <laughs> to put the lotion on yeah i think um, so. <laughs> stallone though with just a great line here because this guy is ranting about how stallone can't kill him he's got to take him in because of the law and stallone just says to the guy this is where the law stops and i start <laughs> but before he can make good on that promise the corrupt lady cop jumps on stallone's back only to get taken out by her own dude that just leaves that psycho guy, and after a will-they-won't-they they dangle over a giant vat of molten metal, Stallone ends up impaling him on a giant hook, which then carries him into one of those blast furnaces and burns him alive. So I guess that settles that. Yeah, uh, Stallone does not give a fuck. This is him putting a rubber stamp on the message of the movie. Due process, fuck that, kill the bastards. Yeah, this guy's an asshole. He tried to kill Brigitte Nielsen. Stallone just fucked him up. Yeah. Um, This was actually a fairly entertaining little fight, but it did the one cliche thing that I found really annoying. I'm sorry. It just did one cliche well, thing? Well, it did Are a lot of cliche me? things. Yeah. But the one cliche thing that I find really annoying is that, like, guy has the knife over your face and is going to stab you, and you have to overcome gravity and him to overpower him and take the win. Yeah, and that's what happens. And then Stallone picks up this massive man and jams his back into that massive hook, and then he gets carried off. Him, like, screaming while on the hook and getting carried off was actually pretty cool, though. Now, what's that hook there for, though? This is a question I ask myself. What is that hook picking up? Uh, Large pieces of metal to go melt. With a hook? Yeah. Is it in a bucket? (laughs) (laughs) Like what? I'm picturing huge, like, coils of metal. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, but I don't know. It it it, it may. If you work in an industrial smelting plant, you can tell us what the giant <laughs> hook is for. Do you have a giant hook? Please let us know at the BME Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I have worked in a factory that has a similar giant hook that was used for carrying large, like cylinders of metal. That would have been good to know before I fucking threw it out to the audience. All right, well, whatever. you didn't bring it up with me before we. Started I didn't talking know about this was true. Yeah. After confirming that Bridget Nielsen is in fact okay, of course she is, they walk out into the daylight where once again reporters are waiting, not to mention a ton of other cops. Of course, Monty is there too, and he can't resist getting in one last shot. You uh, kind of overdid it around here. I personally would have looked for a more subtle solution, but that's not your style. No hard feelings. So Stallone punches him square in the face and agrees. No hard feelings, pal. Oh my goodness, this is hilarious, right? Like, most of the upper guys are patting him on the back, telling him he did a phenomenal job. When he is left, just an absolute fucking bloodbath. There are cars exploded everywhere, buildings destroyed, and he must have murdered, like, a hundred people. Oh, God, easily, yeah. This is ridiculous. The guy who's, like, been riding him hard the whole time for his methods gets punched in the face, and 
It's it's pretty funny. They offer him like to help him out, and he asks for them to fix his car, and they're like, "Oh, that's not in the budget." There you go. Bureaucracy rears his ugly head again. No wonder he hates the system. <laughs> He's just this whole thing is just his stance against bureaucracy. And then, of course, what happens at the ending here? Well, he rides off into the sunset with Brigitte Nielsen, and the credits roll. And I can say with complete confidence that he is absolutely going to nail that giant lady as soon as the motorcycle <laughs> stops, because she's tall. She's taller than him, man. Yeah, she's she's bigger it's a than little him. short, but still, she's a big lady. Yeah, and they have a relationship after this in real life, right? They did it in real life. Yeah, maybe before or during or after this or all of the above. Who the fuck knows? But yeah. yeah, he 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 did it for real. Yeah, he he planted it for real. Maybe that's he why they didn't show it on yeah. screen. You thought it affected their chemistry? You didn't think they had good chemistry? No, no, I meant that's why they didn't show a sex scene. You thought he would have gotten an erection for real because he's so used to getting one yeah. with her in real yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes sense. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I so, I mean, it was hard to tell if he had an erection or not with those pants on the entire time. Because <laughs> it'd be not hard to tell. You'd be able to tell right away. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's all it was. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what else to say about this. This is just your stereotypical, in so many ways, 80s action movie. This is not a Stallone classic by any means, but it is a very, very Stallone-esque film. From the performance to the screenwriting... Really, all of it. It all just fits part and parcel with what I think of when I think of 80s Stallone. I agree. Um, I think it feels very much like the time when it's from 86. Yeah, mid-80s. It's right there in the meaty part of the 80s. Yeah, it definitely fits that vibe. The music, the cuts, the kind of shots and cinematography... The almost message of the film, too. I find that that kind of fits. I think you're being very generous by saying message. I mean, there is a message, but I don't know if it's... Yeah, I don't... We should put any weight behind it. That's true. It's less intentional than the action of this, for sure. It does does feel like it hits the 80s. Um, Yeah, it's going to be hard to to rate, or I'm trying to compare it or think about it towards the other Stallone films we've seen. You know what? I I feel the same way, but let's get to our ratings right now because we're going to have to make some decisions here. The way we always do this, we rate it on a scale of 1 to 10 two times. 1 to 10 for how bad it is, 1 to 10 for how enjoyable, and the goal is to find movies that are a 10 out of 10 on both scales, or what we call the Crit 20. And for me, I do think this movie is quite bad. However, I am not going to give it a 10. It is just absolutely full of 80s cop movie cliches. If you were playing a drinking game where you had to drink every time a cop movie cliche showed up, you'd be dead because they're just all in here. It's like you had a checklist and he was just going down it. It's like a screenplay by numbers for a fucking 80s action hero movie. Territory that has been just walked over so many times. The acting's bad, but what do you expect? Some of the lines aren't great. The action sequences are ridiculous. But I did think they were like kind of effective. Doing something kind of paint by numbers does not automatically make it bad. What makes this bad, in my opinion, is Stallone's, uh, for lack of a better term, indulgences. So I have this as a nine. What do you think? I think that's very fair. Um, I struggled with this because it did feel so much of it was Stallone making himself the smartest man. Oh, he's pumping his own tires like nobody's business. Just so, so hard throughout this whole thing. He just made himself the coolest, most badass cop he could think of. And that seemed just so ridiculous to me. The acting's bad, the writing's bad, the whole thing is predictable. Like you said, cop paint by numbers. I thought the message was interesting too, and I wonder at the time whether it would have been offensive. In the 80s, I think a lot of people were on board with that. Reagan era? Like that would have been... Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I'm just curious where it would fit politically, right? Uh, Just thinking about this movie overall, I, I had it as a nine as well. 
Okay, so we're on the same page with that. But how enjoyable did you find this movie on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, it was fast. It, it was fairly breezy. It kept, 87 minutes, including yeah. the credits, end to end. Come on. It kept a good pace. The action sequences were longer than they should have been, which made them funny. Yeah, I know what you mean. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I, it was not an effective action movie, but that made it a hilarious action movie. So in terms of enjoyability for watching it for this podcast, um, it was actually pretty good, right? The The pace went fast. We could laugh at Stallone. We could laugh at the acting. We could laugh at the lines. Um, the action was fairly fun. The, like, murders and the murder scenes were... I don't know. Um, I didn't think they added a lot to it. It wasn't scary or I don't know, but I guess it helped push along the plot. I had it as an eight enjoyable. God damn it. So did I. We have the exact same fucking ratings. I also had it as an eight. I was vacillating between a seven and an eight, but in the course of talking about it, I really enjoyed talking about it and it kind of bumped me up to an eight because this is a fun movie. It is very quick paced. Like you said, it's breezy. 87 minutes, sub 90. Love it. Like, you just go wire to wire in no time. It is full of those cliches, but I love those cliches. I, I love 80s action movies. To be clear, it's no Commando. We mentioned the death count. Commando was a 10 enjoyable for me. It's a great fucking time. This is okay. It's not Stallone's best. It's good Stallone, but it's not great Stallone. Couple nice lines in there. Ridiculous action pieces. You laugh at it because it's just so fucking stereotypical. Like... If you put all the characteristics of 80s movies into like a computer and had it generate a screenplay, it would basically print the screenplay to Cobra. It's basically it. <laughs> so like, yeah, this was written by AI. Yeah, man. Yeah. It scratches me where I itch. It's fine. I will watch this again 100%. I would like to sing the praises of Brigitte Nielsen for a minute because she's an attractive lady. Like, I don't think she gets the historic recognition that she kind of deserves. She had a nice little moment there in the 80s. Um, Yeah, she was okay. She didn't stand out for me, and that maybe was the choices. She's so tall. She's statuesque. She didn't stand out for you? No. They don't show her doing a lot other than, like, running for she her model with those sex robots. Only for a little bit. Like, yeah, but that was enough. No? Uh, she didn't interact with them in a way that I felt was appealing <laughs> enough. <laughs> you wanted to interact with them? All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Um, I Your opinion's fine. I think that's fair. Um, she I was, just thought she did a pretty good job in this. Like, she was second to the sexy nurse in this movie. The sexy nurse? The nurse from the hospital scene that has, like, no lines? Yeah. What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I'm going to watch that one back to get a look at her, I guess. Um, One last thought before we ride off here. Cobretti can't possibly be a real last name, right? They just did that for this movie? No. That's definitely a last yeah. name. It is a last name, you think? Yeah. Well, yeah. In real life? Yeah. You think there's someone out there whose last name is Cabretti? I bet, yeah. Has their life been inexorably harmed by the release of this movie? Absolutely. <laughs> I think I think I think now that the collective like knowledge republic has uh forgotten it, then we're okay. But yeah, I think it's a real life name. God damn. Well, if you are listening to this podcast and your last name is Cobretti, please let us know because I would love to hear about this. Yeah. Were you born in the 80s? Was your childhood ruined by this movie? <laughs> please tell us more. Oh man, we've watched Quite a few Stallone movies already. I think uh, this is our third. We got more coming, too. Nice. Well, There's more Stallone coming. We watched uh, Over the Top, and we watched them in Dolly Parton. Rhinestone. Yeah. yeah. Where does this rank compared to those two for you? I think it's third. Okay. I think I enjoyed uh, Over the Top and Rhinestone more. Although, Over the Top has I was some gonna disturbing say, undertones. Maybe this is second. 
I do not like his relationship with the kid in that movie. We talked about that. You yeah. can listen to our Over the Top episode. It's episode 25. Good time. That was a good one. Got some good reviews. It's a it's a cool movie, but the relationship he has with his son, he doesn't know. What else? Well, I like the idea of going around and arm wrestling for your yeah. sons. I think what I, I thought it was going to be way cooler than it was. Over the Top. Yeah. 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 I think so it's definitely so Rhinestone Cowboy is the top. You know what Over the Top had? This movie doesn't have. Michael Tucker is my boy. <laughs> That's right. Robert Loja. Yeah, he he is a stellar human. Robert Loja could have been in this. He could have played the leader of the New World. Oh, would have yeah, been absolutely. enjoyable. Yeah, he, could have played, he could have played Stallone's Who boss. Who was the leader of the New World? That cop lady, I think. She Maybe was there the are leader. no leaders. I don't think Maybe there was. the New World, we're all equals. With what a positive message two from those axes that we bang together and then yeah. we just go like murder everyone. Yeah, I don't know. We they spent a lot this. of time banging axes together in sequence. We didn't mention that enough. That was the... Multiple scenes of them just clanging away. It was menacing, so I guess it was effective in that way, but it also felt like it could have turned into a performance of Stomp. Good synchronization. It kind of did feel like that, actually. Same same sets, same yeah. set design. I was like, yeah. we're about to transition to or Stomp. Or like Blue Man Group. I would have loved either of those things, probably more, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Stallone just wiping out the Blue Man Group. <laughs> That's what it would be. All right, go. let's write that one. Unauthorized sequel coming at you. Love it. Well, uh, I mean, this is a fine way, I think, to end off the year 2022. This is the time we're entering into our mid-season break. But we're going to be back in early March with some more fantastic bad movies and fantastic beer. Speaking of the beer, what did you think of this Loaded Cobra double IPA? She packed a bite. God damn, you can say that again. This beer has knocked me on my ass. Um, I liked it. It was smooth yet... Deep in flavor, it was a double IPA, and that definitely caught up to me, and I think you as well. God damn, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, troubling. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I I would definitely like to try some more beers from Evergreen. Um, but uh, <laughs> I I can see where this would be one you only want to have one a night because if you drank a bunch of these, you could put yourself in a really dangerous spot. Kind of like everyone who stood against Stallone in this movie. Yeah, I think this is like a one beer total for me. I do not want to drink this again. Nothing against the fine folks at fucking uh, Evergreen at Evergreen Brewing, but like, I like I'm not an IPA guy, and this is very clearly a double IPA. Smoother than I would have guessed for a double IPA. I've had some that have just been fucking like just hot fire going down my gullet, but this is uh, <laughs> like uh, our evil villain there taking a big hook in the back. This was not like that, but it was full of IPA. Flavor. It was stiff. Like Sylvester yeah. Stallone's uh, penis was not able to get in those tight, tight pants. Yeah. Well, his legs were stiff in those pants. That's sure. true. That's why yeah. he couldn't get to the hospital at the time. He's fucking <laughs> like Frankenstein's monster just staggering around the streets of Los Angeles. Oh, man. No, this uh, this beer, if you're a double IPA lover, even an IPA lover, I can see why you'd enjoy this. That's just not me, but that's nothing against the fine folks at uh, Evergreen Brewing. You got it. I got it. Well, like I said, we are about to uh, head into our mid-season break we're taking a month or two off just to recharge, get the next batch of movies and beers ready. Between now and then, we're going to be posting some uh, highlights, some best of clips, some uh, you know unanswered questions on our Instagram and Twitter. If you haven't followed us already, you can find us at the BMB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Feel free to send us an email, the BMB Podcast at gmail.com. Looking forward to getting some more requests for the second half of our season. Well, that's going to do it for us for the year 2022, but we hope you'll join us in the new year. Until then, I'm Cooper. And I'm Noah. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it cabretti. <laughs> yeah, man. It's not a real ass name. <laughs> <laughs>
crime is a disease. Meet the cure.